Welcome back to the Expanded Minds Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me, and his name is Dr. Mike, or you can call him Mike DiNapoli. Which one do you prefer? I go by Dr. Mike in the office. Dr. Mike in the office, and that's where we're at right now. So, Dr. Mike has spent over 26 years mastering the art of chiropractic treatment and currently treats his patients in his office, Pasadena Family Chiropractic. Dr. Mike has gotten his pre-medicine major from Penn State University, as well as his bachelor's in human biology, as well as his doctor of chiropractic degree from Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. The reason why I have Dr. Mike here with me today is because of his passion for chiropractic, as well as his, I don't think I've ever admitted this to you or to anyone. What's that? But uh, your sense of humor. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> and um, speaking of sense of humor, I know. <laughs> you want to hear the joke of the day? Chiropractic joke of the day. It's an yes. oldie but it's a goodie. There's two of them. Um, they're chiropractic school jokes. Okay, so, let, me, let me. Why the dinosaur uh, uh, flunk out of chiropractic school? Why you said this one more time? Because he I failed think. to adjust. <laughs> Okay, my parents were excited when I went to chiropractic school because they realized, you know, it's probably the only place uh, that you can go to school and actually talk back. <laughs> Classics. Yes. Good reminder. So what's your joke of the day, Easy? What do you call um, two chiropractors that are best friends? I don't know. Vertebras. Oh, that's pretty good, bro. <laughs> Uh, that is pretty good. Vertebrae. <laughs> I totally got you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been getting you, but I know you've been laughing under the surface. Yeah. When yeah, I say them. Yeah, but... deep. Yeah, deep. Deep under <laughs> the surface. You see the bubbles coming up, man. So. <laughs> Vertebrae. That's pretty good, man. I got to give it to you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sure people across the screen are chuckling and down. Oh, they're dying. So, I'm curious about your story. How you actually became a chiropractor? Because there's a lot to chiropractic. Just from doing my research, there's a lot to chiropractic. That I initially, as a patient, I didn't really catch on to it. Yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, I did my research on. There's a series of events that unfolded that led me to actually research it in the first place. Yeah. But so, what is? Why did you start doing chiropractic, and what made you so passionate about it? I'm probably a classic case. Uh, I got hurt as a kid playing basketball like up until age 13 or 14 if you ask me what I was going to be doing I'd be like you know I'd be playing an 82 game season wearing an NBA uniform because basketball was my passion what I did in ninth grade I got hurt doing layups uh, went in and did a 360 landed wrong and pinched my sciatic nerve um, ninth grade year was pretty much on the rocks at that point I was super small 10th grade I did not grow um, played JV, didn't play varsity, so I was bummed out. But at the end of my 10th grade year, I was in the library, and my good buddy, Dr. Danny Allen, who also became a chiropractor, but we were just students together, um, asked me what I was doing. I said, hey, I'm looking at careers, physical therapy, acupuncture, blah, 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 you know, sports medicine, that kind of thing. And he uh, gives me a little quote. He says, the doctor of the future will give no medicine. He'll enter his patients in diet, uh, uh, human frame, and the cause and the prevention of disease. 
And I looked at it and I was like, going, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be the doctor of the future. You know, it sounds perfect. You know, what are you talking about? And he says, it's chiropractic. So go check out my chiropractor. He'd been a power lifter. I think he was a top eight power lifter in the country in his weight class through high school. And I went to see Dr. Loomis. Um, eventually I worked for him on the weekends. I cleaned his cars and I cleaned his office on Sunday mornings. And I started at the end of my 10th grade. My pain cleared out in about a month, month and a half. I grew, I got stronger, but probably my temperament changed a lot from being just an angry kid and pretty snappy to being uh, pretty laid back. Um, but while I was in his office, you, know, you were talking about the depths of chiropractic. Uh, I watched him adjust people and I had my epiphany moment was I walked in one day, it was on a Sunday morning and a little old lady came in with her cane and could barely walk. I was like, oh my God, if you adjust her like you adjust me, you know, I don't know if she gets up, you know, it's going to be crazy. And he did, he adjusted her pretty intensely. She got up, grabbed her cane and, and walked out of there with no problems. I was like, doc, that's amazing. You know, I said, I think this is what I want to do with my life. You know, complete career change everywhere that I've gone. I think I want to be a chiropractor. Um, and I got into a discussion with Dr. Loomis, and from that moment on, I said, I'm going to be a chiropractor. I was age 16. Um, those Sundays, I used to read his green books. You can almost see the posters back up in there, Dr. Palmer and the other Dr. Palmer, the founder and the developer of chiropractic. Yeah. I used to read their philosophy books and didn't really understand them, but said, you know, these cats are pretty bright. There was something about them. And as I got into that philosophy of chiropractic, I realized that it was congruent with who I am as a human being. As a, At that point, I was a Catholic um, and who I was and how I looked at life and what I wanted to be. And that's how I got my chiropractic start. So at 16, I knew what I was doing. I went to Penn State, uh, did pre-med, which basically was pre-chiropractic program. The pre-chiropractic program that I put together, um, my advisor was Dr. Mitchell. He was always trying to talk me into becoming a medical doctor, which was kind of funny. Um, his parents were both medical doctors. So I was just going, well, how are they doing, doc? He's like, ah, not so good. <laughs> you know, they both ended up with Alzheimer's and dying early. So I was like, I really don't want to go that route. But the pre-chiropractic program I did at Penn State ended up becoming the, the, the backbone, pun intended, for their pre-chiropractic program that they still run today, from what I understand. Okay. So it was kind of cool. I was back into the 80s. From there, one-way ticket to Los Angeles to become a chiropractor, LA College of Chiropractic, and uh, I've been practicing not quite 26 years. I'm at 34 years, man. I graduated in 1986. Correct. Yeah, over 26. Graduated in 1989. So I started seeing patients uh, underneath other doctor's licenses when I was uh, uh, 23 years old. Licensed at 24. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's been a passion. It's been an amazing journey. You know, there's times I come in here and I pinch myself. You know, and people are just like, oh, you still like being in here? It's like, yeah, I love being in here. You know, especially when there's kids and there's stuff happening. It gets pretty fun. It gets pretty wild. I just have to pinch myself because it was the dream that I had back in there. It's what I visualized as a, as a kid. Yeah. So. Kids and dogs. Kids, dogs, love old people as well. <laughs> people in between, eh, they're a little more difficult. They're caught up in the human race. They have too much stress in life, man. <laughs> Young people are pretty exciting. Older people are, are amazing. And a lot of people in between are so stressed out. It's feel bad for them. Yeah. You uh, kind of touched on you know, Daniel David Palmer, or D.D. Palmer and B.J. Palmer. What about their philosophy stood out to you specifically? Well, it comes around with my Christian beliefs. The <clears throat> power that made the body heals the body. You know, uh, D.D. Palmer, who founded this thing, says, you know, to study 
the creation, which is us, without studying the creator, which is your God, you know, it's like studying the product without studying the producer. It doesn't make sense. Um, so it was congruent with my whole beliefs all the way through of who I was growing up. Uh, the body's made to heal itself. There's this living unique force that's in us. People call it the Holy Spirit, your soul. They have all kinds of different names for it. Vitalism has a different name for it. Some people in Eastern culture call it chi, but there's a, a life force that's in us that runs the show. And also we're trying to do in chiropractic is allow that life force to have the maximum expression through the physical human being. And we try to remove that interference at you know three different places, basically. So <clears throat> when you're fixing subluxations of the spine, well, first, can you define what subluxation is? <sighs> Sub means less than, lux means light, asian means state of, means less than a light state. I am a little. <clears throat> Three vertebrae. All it means is that the joints back into here called your facet joints, there's a disc, they usually have about a third of the weight, the disc has about a third of the weight. These things aren't moving properly. And what'll happen is these little joints back in the air will swell up. And if they swell up, maybe your back is stiff, maybe not. Maybe you're a little bit tight, maybe you're not. If it swells up enough and starts to irritate around the area a little bit more, it can irritate the nerve that comes out in the air, create a local reaction where you don't move properly, you're really stiff and your back hurts. And if it hits this nerve, depending on where the nerve goes, it can affect wherever that nerves go. If it goes to your bladder, if it goes to your little toe, if it goes to your lower back, if it goes to your reproductive organ, wherever that nerve goes, can be affected. So all those chiropractors are really trying to do with the subluxation is to get the spine to function properly so that these joints aren't swollen and that they have proper movement. So in essence, subluxation, everybody's going to define it a little bit, but there's five components to it. Most of the chiropractors will agree that kinesiopathology is the abnormal movement of the segment, and that's what we try to restore. So like if my spine is subluxated like that, does my, do my muscles around it compensate? Like oh, they instantly guard. Instantly guard, so that means higher tension in my body and limited range of movement? Correct, at that segment. So there's five components. One is the segment doesn't move properly, kinesiopathology. Number two is myopathology. The muscles around it start to become affected. Actually, some of them will atrophy very fast. It's similar if you sprain an ankle, your calf muscle within days starts to get smaller. If you sprain your ACL and your, and your knee, the same way your quad muscles will start to thin out and, and, and atrophy and get weak within days. Same thing happens with our spine. And a lot of people are chronically subluxated. Their muscles back in the air, they lose their tension and their strength. So there's myopathology, kinesiopathology. Histiopathology means uh, you get arthritis in the joints. That starts, depending on who you talk about, within hours of being subluxated to uh, radiographically. They can sometimes see it in histiologically underneath the microscope within 14 days. Radiographically, it takes years to see that. That's when people say I have arthritis of the spine. And then there is uh, neuropathology. That's when the nerves get affected. And the nerves could be you know, numbness, tingling, extreme pain radiating out from the spine or to some other area. And the fifth part of subluxation, pathophysiology. The nerves go to your internal organs and they go to other parts of your body. That's the place where people never link that, oh, my heart condition, my heart, irregular heartbeat, they'll say, I have no idea what it is in medicine, idiopathic. That was caused by an abnormal uh, neurological uh, condition coming from my spine. Yes, possible. So when the spine gets uh, subluxated um, and then it causes a muscular imbalance, so like say for example, like if I'm emotionally feeling numb, could that be a reason why sometimes I feel numb is that there's a subluxation in that area? 
and even if um if I have somewhat of an emotional uh, reaction to something that makes me more angry in life, does that cause a subluxation? Like, can emotional problems cause subluxations, or do like you have a subluxation and then you get emotionally uh, tense? Yes, yes, and yes. So there's three causes of subluxation. If you go back in the literature, they call them the three T's. So the one is trauma. You fall down the stairs, can you subluxate a vertebrae? You're in a car accident, the answer is obviously yes. The other one that you run into is uh, uh, your toxins. You don't eat well, or you're an alcoholic, or you're a drug addict, or you're on you know tons of medications for years and years and years, your body becomes toxic. The muscles, the ligaments, the joint capsules, they lose their integrity. The discs don't have the nutrition. You can, you can create chemical subluxations. And the one you're referring to is the emotional aspect. Those, the other T, that other T, excuse me, is um, your thoughts. And the answer is yeah, your thought process can create a subluxation without a doubt. So in metaphysics, you'll look at people who have lower back pain, especially in sports, you're going, you know, who's more likely to hurt their back? It's that person who plays angry versus that person who plays happy. The anger person's most likely to hurt their lower back. Person who has a smile on their face and is enjoying the sports, less likely to hurt their lower back. So our thoughts always manifest in our spine. You cannot have a thought in your brain that will not manifest somewhere in your spinal cord, out those spinal nerves, and affect every cell, every tissue, and every organ of your body. The emotional part of chiropractic exists. Can a subluxation create emotion like someone's melancholy because they're, they're subluxated? Without a doubt. Um, I had a local kid who was a heck of a basketball player at Pasadena High School when he was a little kid. He was his diapers. His mom used to bring him in sometimes when he was on the other side of town and they were living over there and just said, you know, um, you know, my, my, my son, uh, Roman, let's make up a name, needs to be adjusted. He has serious attitude. And we'd adjust him and he would be very chill and very laid back for the next 30 days and well behaved. So she called it attitude adjustment. Um, I saw someone the other day, got their first adjustment in the office. And in the same way, they went home, they said, I cried, I had emotions, I had things I've never felt before. Why? It was, it was stored in the spine, it was released when we adjusted them, and that emotion comes out. Those are good, great releases. Okay, before also like we go into stories, because I'm actually very curious of people's like transformations going through it. Oh, yeah. I think like when it comes to like, this kind of goes into the history. Yeah. I want to go into the history a little bit more. Yeah. Because I didn't really do my research before, like I had a dream on this. Actually, I shared with you, but I was about to sit in your office, and then I got adjusted, and then in the dream, then my if you look at a picture of a saint, you'll see the circle around their head. Right. And for some people, like when you look at that circle around the saint's head, you might think of it in a very shallow way, where it's just a symbolic sense of like holiness in a sense, and. But there's also like a feeling aspect to it where it's actually magnetic in nature. So in the dream I had gotten adjusted and then my halo opened up and I had more of an expanded awareness. And what was interesting was like, Daniel David Palm was a magnetic healer. And from doing my research, I didn't really, um, I didn't really see too much people talking about what magnetic healing was. Right. But um, I mean, Further research, I looked into his mentor, Paul Castor, and it was very interesting how, yeah, he believed that innate force can heal through you, and like, he didn't necessarily know how to explain it, but he just knew how to intuitively just touch people and then to get healed through that, you could say, innate intelligence that's in everybody. Um, 
So I found that quite interesting. I mean, do you have any thoughts towards like, when you talk about that ability to heal and the magnetism in your body, like do you have any thoughts towards that? Oh, without a doubt. So if you look at D.D. Palmer, as a, you know, he did Mesmer's work. And so sometimes they actually touched the body and sometimes he didn't always touch the body. But he, the whole idea was to bring energy through so that the body could, they could work better. That was the whole idea. And he realized that work and touching some people that they'd have big bumps on their spine and they were more difficult to work on. And so as he looked at certain things, he goes, these people are way, way more difficult and they don't get, a, they, they don't get the results. So he realized there was something going on in the spine. But as far as your energy on touching somebody, oh, without a doubt. You know, we all have a vibration that we uh, we vibrate out across the board. So if you've ever been out with healers and you look at like their, their frequency of what they heal at, some people will say 528, it's kind of like that love frequency and things like that in harmonics. That's where you kind of want to be as a, as a chiropractor, as a, as a doctor. And eventually, I think over the years, you just kind of like naturally flow into that. So, you know, you'll have patients, you know, in Spanish, it's, it's in the Spanish community, it's interesting that, uh, you know, they'll come in and say that I have magic hands, you know, manos de magia or something like that in Espanol. It's pretty interesting. Um, and that's kind of what they're talking about, that there's just a, there's that innate intelligence. It's your energy, you know, flowing through you um, to help that other person. But all that energy is universal energy, that all is God's energy. So sometimes people ask me at the end of the day, are you just wiped out from your energy from what you're doing? And this is like, no, not at all. Not at all, you know. I'm not the source of that energy. I'm just a conduit. I'm just a medium through which it flows. Um, so it's just like physically tired or energetically ever tired. Very, 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 very rare. And then people ask, "Well, you're taking on their bad energy," and they're and it's just like, "No, I'm not taking on their bad energy whatsoever. I'm releasing, you know, whatever the subluxation is, their energy in their body, so that the good energy can take over." That's all I'm doing. It has nothing to do with taking on bad energy and you know and some of these other concepts that they have in other uh, healing arts. It has nothing to do with it chiropractically. It's not what goes down at all. So it's kind of interesting. The only time I get fatigued normally is uh, I'm ill, obviously, um, but it's amazing on a day where I don't feel good. I come in and see patients. I feel amazing. Um, and then sometimes there's just a mental fatigue of just explaining to people what you're trying to do all the time. Because most people come in and just have the concept of pain. I either want to either feel better, thank you, chiropractic, or, you know, I don't feel better, I don't think chiropractic's working. They work on that whole pain theory. Everything's about pain. And you're trying to tell them it's about expression of life energy and things like that. What we do today may not manifest in your body for a week, two weeks, or even longer before you either feel better or you have an emotional release or your body heals itself chemically. So there's a, there's a lag behind what we do sometimes. And people just don't understand it. They're used to quick results. They're used to medicine. I have symptom A, I take a drug, symptom A feels better. You know, chiropractic is yeah. a whole different concept of, you know, allowing energy to flow through your body so that your body can heal the way God's created it. I like that. Um, how much then does faith have to do with healing? And when it comes to like remedies, I would say, okay, we have science, we have a science-based system where we're relying on certain pills to either alleviate symptoms or like, I mean, there's probably stuff out there that actually cure stuff. Huh. So in a sense, there's more faith in the logic and the reasoning of a doctor when it comes to the medical system. But when it comes to just healing in general and the healing process, like, especially with chiropractic, it seems a little bit different in that sense, like where you put your faith at. 
Yeah, so we have a, we have how a. How much does faith have to do with healing? We have a philosophy. That's a little bit different. Like if you talk to your medical doctor and goes, "What's your philosophy?" In chiropractic, they have thirty-one principles. And you ask a medical doctor, "Do you have principles? Do you have a philosophy?" They go, "No, not really, not at all." They basically work on a mechanistic components of, of, of chemicals and, and structure, and that's about it. Where chiropractic has a, a philosophy that's a little bit different, meaning that the power that made the body heals the body, and that flows through your nervous system. So faith is when you believe in something that hasn't been seen or hasn't manifested yet. So people have their faith in God, people have this faith in Jesus. Most people have never seen God, most people have never seen Jesus, but yet they have that faith into him and they believe in those two things. And so they have a belief system that goes with it too. Chiropractic is principled. And it's kind of like, I'm just gonna use this, and you get you believe in gravity. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So if I drop this, what's going to happen? It's going to hit the floor and hopefully not crack it. Unless something stops hopefully it. Hopefully not crack it. Unless I can't. Uh, yeah. Unless something catches it or whatever, it's going to fall. Okay? Now, do you believe that? Oh, uh, yeah. You believe it? Yeah. But it's a principle. We know that gravity yeah, is going to... it will happen regardless of what I believe. Correct. Yeah. It's going to happen whatever. Exactly. Chiropractic's in that same way. We have a belief system into it and we have that faith that it's going to work. But until it works, until you go through there, who knows? And so after you see something that works over and over and over and over, it's like you have faith in that, in that is it a belief system? It's like, no, it's, an, it's a knowledge system, it's a principle. I take pressure off that nerve, we get things moving, there's a good chance that joint's gonna be healthier, that body's gonna heal itself. I drop the spine, gravity's gonna pull it down, it's gonna fall. Yeah. I don't, whether I believe in it or not, it's gonna happen across the board. So if patients do not believe in it, it doesn't matter. And probably the two greatest places where you, you get rid of that whole faith healing concept in chiropractic is children and babies and in animals. I don't convince a dog who can't walk that, hey, I'm going to adjust your C6, that subluxated and the disc is herniated, take the pressure off your spinal cord and your spinal nerves and your, and your limbs are going to work better. You know, the dog doesn't have to like, oh, okay, I'm going to pray to get I believe you. The dog has no idea. <laughs> the owner's like looking at you like you're crazy. I got a vet referral so I can do this, you know, do your thing, Dr. Mike, because we're not spending, you know, 50000 or whatever it costs, $10,000 for your surgeries. And so they'll come in and, and they'll let me work on the dog for a few times to see what happens. And that dog sometimes heals up and has a miraculous healing. You know, no faith. Same way with the baby. The baby has colic or the baby is constipated or the baby can't turn its head with torticollis. Those are the common things we see with children um, or, you know, can't suckle properly. Um, it's not like we've convinced a baby. There's no faith healing into there. It's all about just taking the pressure off. And then once you've seen something long enough, just like you believe in gravity, you don't have to say, I have faith in gravity. And you don't have to say, I believe in gravity. No, it's a, it, it's a law. It's a principle. That's how we look at chiropractic. Eventually it becomes law. It becomes principle. And it does make us different than medical doctors. It makes us a lot different. And it's probably that one place that separates us from physical therapy and everywhere else across the board is our philosophy and our early roots philosophy. And unfortunately, in chiropractic today, a lot of the chiropractic schools don't teach it. And a lot of the younger chiropractors today have no philosophical background. They have no concept. And what they're actually doing is not that much different than, you know, an orthopedist or a physical uh, medicine, a physiatrist or a physical therapist these days. And that's kind of sad. And I think when you don't have that, you're probably not going to get quote unquote the biblical healings and the miracles that are out there. Mm. So So what's the line where do you guys connect though? So like there's a 
there's obviously more heavy, uh, heavy trust in the logic and reason and the production of things with the medical field and also surgery as well, that kind of thing. There's more, um, more trust in that, whereas chiropractor, yeah, you're obviously relying on the innate ability to heal, the body's innate ability to heal. So it's less external, more like internal. So where do you draw the, where is the line of like connection? Like, do you notice when you should refer somebody to the medical field and they could take care of it? Like, do you notice when? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody has their place. That's the hardest thing is like, what's a chiropractor good at? What's your physical therapist good at? What's your orthopedist? What's your orthopedic surgery? Um, to a certain degree, you know, orthopedic surgery, which I actually love, isn't that different than chiropractic. If you break your leg and they have to put a plate in so that they're trying to preserve the joints down into there, they'll put the plate in. They'll eventually maybe take the plate and the screws out. Everything heals up pretty nicely. Who healed it? Your innate intelligence healed it. And at that point, you go in and you go, hey, doc, my knee still hurts or my ankle still hurts. It's not moving properly. They'll take a look at what they did surgically, the bones and the, the structure. They go, it looks great structurally. You just need time to keep working. And they actually bank on your, your body to heal itself. So they'll take and, and move things structurally and change things structurally, but they realize that the healing, it's up to your body. And the doctor will tell you, I've done my part. It's up to you to heal. Uh, across the board so you're going what does chiropractors refer out to obviously major fractures that you know could possibly damage a joint dislocations things like that um anything that's you know in the cancerous range you don't really want to touch um although you can still help those people so they're, you know your, your basics in a cut eye quinine syndrome there's there's a handful of things where people come in and you're asking questions and you know and this is a, a medical case more than a chiropractic case um, the hard part is, is that some people have already gone, I've already gone to all those doctors. I know I'm a medical case, but they haven't helped me. And that's actually how chiropractic has grown. They used to say in the old days is that uh, they've gone everywhere. I've said, I'll try the chiropractor as my last resort. So, you know, the, the chiropractic miracle was uh, the medical failure. And that's kind of what put us on the board, you know, as far as people going, you know what, I'm going to try a chiropractor. Uh, it's unfortunate that they go to us last because we're so conservative. Yeah. Why do you think they're conservative? Chiropractors? No. no. Chiropractors Patients. are conservatives. No, no, no. Oh. We're conservative. Medicine and uh, taking medicine, taking drugs, and doing surgery is a way more radical approach. Once you start to introduce those things, you can't take them out. You can't take them away. That chemical possibly could be in your body and will be possibly in your body forever. You know, people think, oh, it has a T half-life. If you dig up people in their graves 100 years later, you can tell from their bones that are still there, what tissues there, what drugs they took years before. People don't realize that. Those things residually stay in your body. It's the same way with surgery. You do a surgery, you can't undo the surgery. But with chiropractic, all you're really doing is adjusting the body, stretching the body, working on the body from the outside to affect the inside. So it's kind of a, it's a whole different approach. And, and that's a hard thing for people to get to because you're touching somebody and you're going, well, what did he give you? Uh, he didn't, he gave me an adjustment. Well, what do you have? I don't have anything other than he put his energy, his hands, you know, his love and his force into me and now I can move better. You know, it's not like, well, here's the pill that's gonna help it or, you know, you know here's the hardware that's going there. There's none of those things. So for, for some people, it's just a hard process to understand because it's so much different than medicine. And most people are educated in the medical model. Everybody's educated in the medical model, including myself. And we're educated on a constant basis into the medical model through our advertising, through magazines, through billboards, 
um, all your media on TV, everywhere you go, radio, everywhere that you possibly go, medicine has a profound touch on you and is educating you into their system. Chiropractor yeah. is not so much. I did some research. This could be controversial, but I, mean, I heard some of the medical field was founded by Rockefeller, and it was a. Uh, do you want to talk about that? I know a little bit about the history of that. You know, he basically had a bad reputation. Uh, I don't know if it was 1913, but it was the turn of the century. You know, he was an industrialist, and you know, it was you know tons and tons and tons of money. And, uh, you know, basically turned the, the medical profession into what it is today and, and changed it. Up until that point, medical doctors and clinics across the board, excuse me, schools across the board, medical doctors were getting paid similar to what an auto mechanic was. There was thousands and thousands of medical schools. It wasn't nearly as uh, uh, prestigious as it is today. And he changed that whole system all the way across the board and basically turned it into a, a pharmaceutical drug system that we have today. So. You know, and that was like, you know, his gift to, to humans, Rockefeller. And uh, if you look today, he's right up there with Gates and some of the other uh, uh, big uh, big boys that are, uh, uh, what's the word, philanthropists uh, in society today and, and have a huge impact on how we look at health and medicine and, and what happens around the world. So Rockefeller Foundation is still part of that. Yeah. And then, okay, I want to go back into the, you now the, the healing and then kind of like testimonial stuff. Sure. I find that quite interesting. Especially when I was like looking at stuff online. Some of, some of the adjustments that I saw gave me chills. I'm just like, whoa. Like you can pretty much sense their body open up and like their healing. Like you can see them emotion releasing and everything. It was very, very cool. So like, what are some, some healings that have sent out to you and that have touched you deeply? I've been asked this question multiple times. Um, I could stay here all day and talk to you. It's, I've worked on people moments before their death. I've worked on people who weren't able to conceive, have a baby. You know, within 30 days, mom and dad got pregnant and had their baby. So from bringing life in to seeing life leave, I've seen the, the gamut from, from alpha to the omega, from the beginning to the end. Um, so when people ask like, what's the, you know, the, the most magnificent thing that I've seen, I'm not sure everybody has a, has a different idea. It depends on, on what your value system is across the board. I've seen a drug addict that gets adjusted, never mention anything. Um, slept for 18 hours, threw up multiple times. His wife thought he was in a coma, had an incredible dream state, kind of like you did. Um, when I talked to him the, the day afterwards, he says, you know what, I'm not doing drugs, I'm not doing alcohol, I wanna go back to school. He became an engineer on the railroad and has uh, gotten himself in incredible shape and take care of his family, become an incredible human being. And patients and people ask like, what did you do with my buddy, you know? And I go, all I did was adjust him on that given day and kept his body aligned. The rest was up to him. That was inside of him. That was just ready to be to, to be revealed. And sometimes that adjustment is the mechanism that allows. That's what opens up the door. But they walk through the door. I don't walk through the door. So to see someone's life change from you know drugs and decay and degeneration to you know a state like that where he's just an incredibly family man and a good guy in the community and, and doing what God's created and finding his his calling in life and being able to express it. That's probably the biggest blessings. 
So every day when people ask about it, it's just like, you know, just to be part of people's healing is my blessing. And the fact that I get paid for it, the fact that I get paid fairly well, and I've been able to have kids and support them and do all the things that I do, it's been a dream, man. Yeah. You know, again, I come back and I pinch myself every now and then. And to be in the category with other chiropractors that are just amazing, from my mentors to like you're talking about Reggie Cole, who have almost met all these guys, um, and they're just amazing human beings. You know, they share, they give, you know, they, they, they teach you about giving and being kind and, and giving from the heart and service, service, service. Um, it's unlike any profession in the whole wide world. It really is, man. It's unlike when you really get into those roots and you really see what it's all about. You know, in my 30 plus years, I've never not accepted somebody because I didn't have the almighty dollar. You know? And that's pretty neat. When you see a homeless person who comes in and back there grabbing my quarter out of my, out of my uh, uh, cups to pay for their adjustment that day, and they do that every day that week. And, you know, five months later, they're coming in with nice clothes on, they're in school, and they clean themselves up, and they're doing fantastic. You're like, going, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's an awesome feeling. So the blessings, the healings, like I said. Phew. How about with your mentor? Um, I've had multiple mentors. My father left when I was pretty young in age. And most of my siblings, you know, kind of left the house and graduated, took off too. So I've had mentor after mentor after mentor in life. And that's actually been a, a great blessing because you get to pick your mentors. So it's kind of neat. In chiropractic, I've had so many, um, from Dr. Schofield to, you know, Reggie Gold to uh, Dr. Sigafoos. I mean, it just goes on to Clarence Gonstead. Um, there's just so many amazing chiropractors. The lady who runs Oaklehaven, you know, Bobby Drosher, just a kindest, sweetest lady in the whole wide world. You know, you just get in the room with her and you feel this energy and this love for, you know, for her to service children and what she does. You're just like going, ah. So there's been mentors and I'm sure there'll be new mentors. Um, amazingly, sometimes I have young mentors. So some people are surprised, you know, it's not always the, the, the oldest guy out there. Sometimes, uh, like you were talking about, you see chiropractors that give you that spine chilling things. There's a lot of them that will do Instagrams and do adjustments on there. So sometimes you'll see the good chiropractor, Dr. Kenji, guy's amazing. Just loaded with love, energy, chi, smiles, and just charisma. Um, he's a little bit younger than I am, but just an incredible human being. So you end up picking up from those guys and picking their brains and learning from them. So it's not always the older guys. Sometimes it's the younger guys. Some of the younger people are amazing, too. So you can have mentors, young, old, everywhere in between. Yeah. It's fun looking for a mentor because if you're looking for mentors, it means you're looking to grow. You're looking to learn something. And you can learn from people all the time. What are you like looking to learn now? Like what's something that you feel like can help you develop your practice? I don't know, I'm at a pretty good point right now. I've learned some good techniques. I think I want to further develop my SOT learning um, and learn a little bit more about SOT. What's that, SOT? Sacral occipital technique, teach our names with the SOT. You call them the big giant door. Uh, what do you call them? Door stoppers. The door stoppers, yeah, the door stoppers. So I probably want to go to that next level with the door stopper technique. Um, uh, so like, like when I lie down on the bed, people put these things right under my hips and therefore like, are they for evening out my hips or what is it? They balance your pelvis, they traction the spine. 
Okay, yeah, so yeah. I call them doorstopper because they literally just the shape of a doorstopper. First thing I thought of. Yeah. So you wanted to advance in SOT stuff? Probably SOT as far as technique. Philosophy, that's every day. You know, and a lot of that's not really learning it, it's just relearning it. Just having um, that faith in the innate system of the body. That's the one thing that you'll see with, with chiropractors that have been around a long time. You yeah. know, that, you know, hey, can you help me? The answer is, you bet. You know, yeah. you never know what you say, do you think, how it's going to affect one person or a million people, and how it's going to change stuff. It's just the most amazing thing in the whole hey. world. Hey, there's the postman. I got a couple pieces. Yep. Oh, Looking good. Like Looking for the Easter egg. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. And then. Yes. You you yes, the postman's a patient. He is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the one thing, man. A chiropractor, like, you try to touch everybody that you possibly can. So you offered it to him when you were playing yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The fun part's my cleaning crew. They just don't get it. From my other office, that cleaning crew still comes in and gets adjusted. Mm -hmm. Because. D. Palmer adjusted his uh, um, his janitor. Yeah, that's Harvey, the first one. Harvey Lillard, yeah, who's like a black guy, and no one talks about that in black history, gets the first adjustment, gets his hearing back. And everybody thinks that, you know, oh, he's a black guy, he's a janitor, he's poor. No, he owned the building. He owned multiple buildings in Iowa oh, at that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, people don't know that. He had way more money than, than D. D. Palmer. D. D. Palmer never really became wealthy. Uh, BJ's son became very wealthy. Mm -hmm. So you practice the Gonstead method, right? Is that what you started out with at least? That's where I first started. Actually, I first started in school doing receptor nemo, which was pressure points, Travel's work, um, a little bit of osteopathic, and then I got into Gonstead, was a biomechanical system, which was CS Gonstead's work. And then from there, I've been all over the place, just constantly learning technique. You know, the idea is like, why just become, you know, if you're Gonstead, you can only do Gonstead. Or if you're applied kinesiology, you only do applied kinesiology. Mm -hmm. So it's like, no, I want to learn them all and figure out where the best application is. Because every human being that walks in here may respond differently. And that's been fun. A lot of times uh, where I learned a lot of that stuff is out at seminars from other chiropractors. That sounds fun. Yeah. And I'm a monkey. So, you know, growing up as a smallest kid in my family, you're always imitating everybody from a big family. You know how that goes, everybody's just like, you know, making fun and having a good time, but you become good at it. You know, whether it was a basketball move that my brother did, you know, and I'll imitate it, you know, and I'll just like, you know, look at him like, yeah, you know. I jump a little higher, I'd lay up a little higher off the glass in here, but it's the same move. And it was the same way because I was a monkey my whole life imitating my siblings and imitating everybody to become a chiropractor to watch somebody do a technique and imitating it was pretty easy. It was almost natural for me, so. What's the most challenging technique that you had to learn and can you also like give a definition of what it is too, like for people that don't know these terms? Ooh. Probably the lower force techniques are probably the hardest for me. You know, like a nuka, where you're basically up on the atlas or the occiput and you're just gently moving things and it takes minutes to actually do what you're doing. Um, because the feel that you have in your hands is so subtle. So, and same way with craniopathy on children, it's so subtle that you're feeling, you're going, I don't, I don't know if I actually got the change. I actually, this was actually really cool, this is a little bit of both, is a, a baby was born to two blind people, 
the one, the, the mother had been blind since birth. The father somewhere in his lifetime had lost his vision. So they connected, they fell in love and they had babies. The babies were born with uh, no problems, the, the normal eyesight. Um, mm-hmm. But the one first baby had cranial, uh, had cranial problems. And so the crane, cranium wasn't where it was supposed to be. There was overlapping on the sutures. So they brought the baby in and both the mother and the father could feel it. They have a pretty good you know, tactile sense. And so while I was working on the baby, I was expressing to them orally what I was doing. So they got to hear everything I was, I was doing and I was just talking through them as I was working on this baby. So when I got done on the baby, the cranium felt amazing. Sutures overlapping and pretty much cleared out. Fontanelles had lined up. Get around, right? Like, very, very, very gently, very gentle. And so when I got done and I was feeling the baby's cranium, I was like, "Mom, Dad, this feels amazing." Which the two of you have the best tactile sense to go back and, and recheck the baby. And they said, "Uh, you know, I thought of the mom." So the mom came over and and she felt the baby and just to have her bring her hand over the of her baby's hand and go. Oh, I can feel it. It's smooth here. It's over here. Yeah, so that's kind of one of those stories. It's kind of an amazing story because you have somebody who actually gets to recheck your work and maybe has more of a, you know, a, a sense than you do, especially when it's their own baby and they've been blind their whole life. So, but the lower four stuff and the craniopathy are probably the hardest for me without a doubt because they're just so subtle. Okay. So, and I'm curious to kind of hear my, like when I first came in, how was my spine like? And then over time, like how have you seen the change? You're delving into a HIPAA thing right now, talking about your own health. A what? You're going into HIPAA, the Health uh, Insurance Portability Accountable Act, where you're not really allowed as a, as a doctor to talk about patient stuff. So you're, you're, you're kind of pushing into there. Yeah. So without like, quote unquote, your written agreement across the board, I really can't go there. Okay. You know, even with your oral agreement, like, yeah, I want this done and everything else like that, you know? Okay. So So let's steer away from that. So someone who presented similar to you is a good question. Okay. Yeah. We looked at your frame and we looked at the person's frame and the shoulders didn't sit even, the head didn't sit even. There was anterior carriage. There was muscular imbalances down in the calves. And, oh, I feel my calves. Yeah, so and there was structural stuff that you saw in this human being that probably were genetic from the structure of their chest, to their clavicles, and things like that, where you're going, is this someone that you can completely align and make perfect? The answer is no, but can you help them function better in life and keep their body aligned? The answer is yes. It's almost like working on someone with crooked teeth. You have to take extra care. And unless you're an orthodontry and really going through and trying to do surgery and change stuff, you're not gonna change the structure of those teeth very easily or very readily. So it's just a matter of keeping a person like your spine into its highest functional state for a long enough period of time. And there's a possibility that you'll have a structural change. Yeah. Have you seen people with scoliosis get better or completely cured? Or is it just you better their ability to function? It depends. You have to be really careful with scoliosis in kids. You know, if you get someone who's an adult to change your scoliosis, you can. Um, and scoliosis is when the spine curves, I say, 15 degrees or more, and there's different types and classifications. So that in itself is a whole science right into there. It, it's very interesting. There's times where we see a kid with scoliosis, and I just say, I don't really want to touch it. I wouldn't let a chiropractor touch this. Just let it be. 
There's mm -hmm. other times where you want to say, let's try to correct it, but you have to be very careful on what you're doing and you're hoping that the kids will do the exercises and things. There's other times where you send them out to the medical doctors and say, hey, you need to brace. You know, this is gonna get really, really, really bad. You need to brace it. And you know, we put a brace on, a customized brace, and the kids wear it for 23 hours of the day. So there's times for that, and there's times for chiropractic, and there's times where you just don't do anything. You just sit and you wait, you know, and you re-exam and you reevaluate them. So it's, it's, it's a little bit more in depth than, you know, hey, we straighten out the spine. Um, I once was on stage with Fred Barge, who's a famous chiropractor, and he put up a picture of a, a girl with scoliosis, and he says, young chiropractor, can you change this scoliosis? And chiropractor after chiropractor was going up and explained to him, I'll pop this one and pop this one, and we'll straighten out the spine here and there. And the answer was, is that without seeing a side view to see where the holes are, where the nerve's coming out, you don't know whether to work on this. Without seeing the whole picture, you can't really respond to it. And that's a, a big thing that you run into. You have to see the whole the whole picture of the spine, and you have to actually have that person inside your in your office to evaluate them to see what's going on, to see how their body goes. So if they have a curve, but it moves and it functions perfectly, why would you want to correct it? Mm. So it, it depends. It, it gets pretty intense, man. Well, yeah, I'm trying to figure out like what's so risky. Like what could go wrong? You make it worse. So I've seen x-rays where they went to a chiropractor and it happened to be a chiropractor. I think they were in Taiwan and a girl is whatever, 13, 14 years old. She had a 12, 13 degree curve. She went underneath chiropractic care. He took a picture six months and a year later that curve went to 20 degrees and 30 degrees. And so underneath his care, it seemed to get worse. And I asked them what they did and they kind of described to her. I just like went, ooh. I don't know if I like that. I wasn't there. Maybe it would have progressed on its own, but you'll see cases like that. There's a book by Dr. Mendelssohn. It's Confessions of a Medical Heretic. It's an older book. Uh, he's passed away. And um, there's a chapter in it on scoliosis where he talks about sending people to a chiropractor. When I first read it and I was younger, I got offended how chiropractors actually mess up scoliotic spines all the time. And I was like, no, no, that's just a medical doctor, you know, not understanding across the board. But you do see it in your profession. You see people who don't know how to manage it across the board. It's a specialty. So. Oh. Okay. I have one in practice right now. Um, where the curve in between your shoulder blades has done fantastic. It's at about 16, 17 degrees, the last curve uh, we saw. And she's like, she's young. She's 10, just turning 11. Um, it was down like eight degrees or six degrees. So it was pretty amazing. So yeah, I see stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and parents get excited. And, you know, and I've seen other ones that don't change and everywhere in between. So it's, you know. How do you know when your spine needs to get adjusted? How do I know when my spine needs to get adjusted? Your or spine, people? your spine, and what's up with you and then in general? Um, you know, part of it is just being in touch with your own body. And so we'll tell people, we'll assume that somebody's gone through either corrective care or some level of chiropractic and they're feeling good and they're functioning really well and, and the chiropractor's happy with their, their spine and you're going, okay, when should I come in? And you know, it's when you wake up in that morning and you're tired. It's when you have uh, exams coming up that the following week and you know you're gonna push your body. It's when you know, you're moving on Friday uh, and you got stuff to pack up and you know, it's Tuesday or Wednesday that week and you have a big physical heavy move. It's when you have a competition. 
it's when you have increased stress in your life. You just found out that you're, you know, you're, you know, your twin has this disease, and you're and you're worried about that. So all those things where people have that extra stress on their body, that's probably a good time. Or they're going into something that's going to be stressful. That's a good time to kind of get your body checked and evaluated, so that you can go into whatever event, whether it's moving or whether it's taking your finals, or you know whether it's you know going to that funeral. You can go in at your body at its best. So those are places that we tell people. Um, in general, I don't always know when I'm subluxated. I know I lay down on the table. I was on Friday. My classmate, Dr. Joe, came in and adjusted me while there was patients in here. They got to listen to me scream and holler and like, ah, <laughs> and get around with him across the board. He's been adjusting me since we're students. I get my spine checked every week without fail. And the reason is, is it makes a big difference, a big difference. Mm -hmm. You know, so a couple of years ago, I just realized, like, I don't have a plan for me. And yet here I am telling you, hey, this is the plan for you. And yet I'm not sticking to my plan. And so at that point, I said, I got to go back and, and stick to my plan. So I get checked every week and I'm amazed sometimes he'll feel something in my spine. I'll go, hey, uh, take your fingernail out of me, doc. And he'll go, I don't have any fingernails. I go, it feels like a fingernail in there. He goes, that's right where your spine subluxated. And I don't feel it. It's an unconscious, it's uh, subcortical. You have no idea what's going on until someone comes in and checks it out and you're going, hey, I, I didn't know that was out. I didn't know that needed to be worked on. So I could wait till it hurts. I could wait till I have sickness or disease, but maybe I would never have a symptom that I would correlate with that subluxation. And that's what most people do. So that's where chiropractic is proactive to keep that spine functioning, keeping that nervous system at its best, best so that we don't have, you know, major subluxation, degeneration, arthritis, and all these problems down the road. Yeah. I noticed especially like when work made me stress out, yeah. that's when the adjustments felt the best. Like I could feel my, or like when you did the neck thing like that. Yeah. When you yeah. have a symptom and you get adjusted, it takes the pressure and the stress out. Yeah, you know it. it feels good. That's where people go, yeah, that's just nice. You know, when people come in and they're feeling pretty good, sometimes it's subtle. They don't notice a big difference. That's where somewhere where you have to demonstrate to the person what's the difference. So sometimes I'll muscle test. And then I love my office now because it's big and it's open. And so I'm adjusting somebody and I'm going to the next table. I'll watch them walk. My other patients are going, checking out how they're walking. And you'll see somebody, you know, as you guys will call it, a little swag or a little pep in their step. They walk differently all the way across the board from when they walked in. And that's where you just get a little smile. And then, you know, you're going, you know, you walked differently when you left the other day, Joe. And they'll go, oh, I did? I didn't even notice. And then sometimes I can see him on the walkway back on the other wall coming here and I'll, and I'll poke out through the shades and take a look and see him just bouncing. I'm like going, yeah. You know, that's a nice feeling just to know that there's that little subtle difference in their, in their overall physiology of how they move. So if I'm walking with my hips just swaying like that, that's a misalignment or is that? Could be. Could be what's normal for you, you know. Um, you know, there's a you like chiropractic jokes, so I don't know if I ever told you this one, but it's kind of funny, but it's definitely dirty. So two chiropractors are sitting on a park bench and they're both retired, and an old man comes down and he's walking really slow and he's got this hobbling gait, and the one chiropractor looks at the other chiropractor and says, "Hey, chiropractors, gentlemen, but I say it's femoral acetabulum, it's his hip joint in here." And the guy goes, "Nah, man." I'll take that gentleman's chiropractic bed. I say it's a sacroiliac. So the guy comes over and, and they grab him. They go, excuse me, sir, do you mind answering a question? We're two chiropractors. We're retired and we both think, uh, you know, something's wrong with you. We want, we want to sell this thing. And so the first guy goes, you know, 
my buddy over here thinks it's this joint right in here, like you've hurt your hip, you have arthritis in your hip and things like that. And the guy goes, no, I can see why you think that. He goes, but that's not what I got today. And the guy goes, ha, I told you. He goes, pain's back here on your sacroiliac, it's back on the pelvis. The old guy says, no, I can see where you think that too. Two chiropractors look at each other, so what is it? He goes, well, he goes, you know, I was walking down a little bit earlier. He goes, I thought I had a little, you know, just a little gas that needed to come out, but a little bit more came out. <laughs> and that's why I'm walking funny. That's your dirty joke for the day. It's a visual. So we watch people move all the time. And when you watch people move, if you watch somebody like the typical, it's a female with high heels, and you watch how her pelvis swings, and sometimes you'll see they swing, and one side swings more than the other, and you kind of look like, that's kind of funny. Or you'll see a dog or an animal the same way with the back end, one side swings more than the other, has a little bit more swing or giddy up. Mm -hmm. Actually, the side that normally is has the more movement into it is the side that's locked up. That's the side that's usually subluxated, it needs to be addressed chiropractic. Mm -hmm. So you can use it as a, as a guide. And when we do an exam, I watch people walk back and forth to get an idea. Okay. I uh, also like the feeling of lightness too like I think that's where kind of my dream release came from like when I talk about like my awareness expanded and stuff like that and that dream um, I think that's where that came from that feeling of lightness because I'll meditate too and then when I have my own release that's how it feels like so um, old chiropractors they go to court and they'd say, you know, Dr. Sigafus was the evangelistic chiropractic. And they used to ask him, like, what, uh, what's your purpose? What, what do you believe is your purpose? Why did God create you? You know? And they used to say, well, God created the spine to hold you upright and to protect your central uh, nervous system, your spinal cord and your, and your nerves that exit. It also allows an attachment for your ribs that protects your organs. And they used to say that the other reason that God's created the spine was to uh, support the chiropractor. Because we fix those spines. And they go, is there any other reasons why God created the spine? You know? And any other reasons why you do what you do under the spine? And Dr. Sigurdfus said, yes. It's to allow man the physical to communicate with God the spiritual. When you're subluxated and you're in pain and you can't express through your body, it's going to be a hard time to get into prayer and meditation, listening to God and speaking to God. When you're on drugs, you're not probably going to be speaking to God. And I know people do tons of drugs and there's ayahuasca and, you know, these low levels of drugs that people all the time think that they're, they're getting spiritual with and have spiritual releases. And I understand that. And, you know, and, and I get where they're coming from. You know, that's how they, that's how they break through, you know, and that's, that's their thing. In chiropractic, we take a look at just having your body feeling amazing the way it's supposed to, you know, the way the nervous system's supposed to work, you'll be able to find God. You'll be able to communicate with God. Your frequency, your vibrations, your your ability to, just as your brain communicates with your body and your body communicates with, you, with your brain, your brain will communicate with a higher spiritual and back again. Those pathways open up. You know, and that's a, a big part. So people go, oh, that's crazy. You know, you're rocking the spine to allow man, the physical, to communicate with God, the spiritual. The answer is yes, it does happen. Yeah. For everybody, no. You know, and again, it's part of chiropractic that chiropractors don't love to talk about. 
because they're like, oh, you're a faith healer or you're the supernatural or you're out there across the board. Um, but it happens. It happens every day. You know, people will tell you, you know, doc, I got adjusted. I was in your parking lot and here's what I felt. And a lot of times what they were feeling at that movement at that time manifests and comes to be. It's an amazing thing. They like, have an insight. Like what? Like just insight in their life? Or like Could be. Intuition in the It's intuition to the future. Could be. Yeah. All those things, you know. Just like the, oh. like the guy that we adjusted and had his, you know, slept for 18 hours and said, hey, I'm changing my life and did. And I've had people went out and cried and says, I feel really, really, really alone. I, I don't know what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Within a few months, she lost her husband. He had a brain, uh, brain tumor and he died. Yeah. You know. So she had that feeling. She knew something was going to happen in life. She had a, a spiritual breakthrough from having her spine adjusted. You know, in neuroscience today, they take a look and they, they look at the brain and how it functions. And chiropractors, and they've tried for a long time to take our idea of what we do from pain and change it to uh, brain. You know, instead of coming in thinking about your pain all the time, coming in and thinking about your brain, which is your nervous system and your brain's working. So neuroscientists today actually look at what we do as a chiropractor and they find out that after an adjustment, post-adjusting chiropractically, that you see a huge difference in cerebral plasticity on how the neurons in the brain work. And they haven't found anything that gets close to it from drugs, medicine, anywhere across the board, prayer, meditation, that changes the way your brain works. And when your brain's working your right the proper way, we don't even know the, the potentials and where we can go with it. You know, you talk about expanding the mind. Every time you get adjusted, that brain's working better. And where you want to go with it, that's up to you and how it's going to expand. Everybody's a little bit different. And neuroscientists are cool because they're really not medical and they're really not chiropractic. They're just in the study and how the nervous system works. So they're pretty pure in what they look at. Did you know about cerebral spinal fluid? I'm just curious. If you know. Of course. Okay, can you describe? Um, I mean, do you... It's the nutrition in the fluid that's around your whole, your whole brain, comes all the way down your spinal cord, ends, you know, the spinal cord ends terminophilia, like uh, T11, L1, L2, depending on the human being. But that fluid comes all the way down to your coccyx and comes all the way back up and it's constantly bathing your nervous system. And it's all based on a, a, a pumping system that goes with your respiration and being able to breathe. So one of the things that you'll see with chiropractic, if you look at the side benefits when people get adjusted, you know, you talk about the, we just talked about cerebral plasticity and the physiology of the brain. But one of the other things a lot of people will report is that they actually breathe better. They go, my breathing has changed and my sleep. But with breathing, that allows cerebral spinal fluid to pump back and through, which is bathing your nervous system, which allows your nervous system work better and to heal. So there's a huge change in cerebral spinal fluid. Um, they actually have the ability now in medicine to do cystanographs where they measure the flow up and down. And they do it sometimes before and after chiropractic. There's only a few chiropractors out there that are doing those studies. And occasionally they work on someone who's super famous who's had, especially the football players who have had brain traumas. And you see the difference before and after. And they're going, no one's ever looked at your neck as being a potential problem of what's causing your brain. Most of the football players will go, no, they never looked at my neck. They were just looking at my brain. You know, the CTE, the, you know, the concussion traumatic encephalopathy that occurs. You know, they never looked at my neck. They get their ner- neck worked on, cerebral spinal fluids flowing up and down, and there's a huge change. The brain can now actually heal itself. So wait, how often does it go up and down? 
is it a it's on your respiration cycles so it depends on on your cycles and how how much it's flowing up and down it depends on your movement system as well a baby not so much so with the baby that's why we teach people to rock your baby that's why they love rocking that rocking brings all the fluid up and down and up and down but the exact uh, amounts how much flows and, they, and everything else I haven't looked at in a long time so I don't know about yeah. you know, the exact and so it nourishes so what does it do it nourishes your brain to to restore itself or like what did I get that correct it's like the blood the blood comes to your you know to, to body parts and it carries your nutrition and it carries your oxygen. That's what the cerebral spinal fluid is to your to your meninges and your your, your nervous system. Okay. It's the exact same stuff. It helps the nerves function properly. It gives me brings in nutrition. Okay. All those things for the nerves. It's exactly what it does. You've heard of the blood brain barrier, where you can't get blood into your brain. That's what they talk about. Mm -hmm. that blood brain barrier so that whole nervous system has its own uh, has its own fluids and its own systems and, and your brain creates it the choroid plexus creates a cerebral spinal fluid and it flows through and it has to be flowing if it's obstructed and this is the fun part of it about chiropractic like you asked about techniques and how do we look at different things there's chiropractors that's their whole focus man it's just cerebral spinal fluid flow you know, you can look at yeah. chiropractic just from that standpoint of like going, hey, we just work on CSF flow, and this is what we do. Other people can go, we just look at motion. Other people can say, I like scoliosis. Other people can say, I just want to work on people who want to become more spiritual aware and be able to get into that, you know, that next era and change their, as you say, the, the halo over their head to change that aura, you know, to allow that goodness to flow. Yeah. Everybody, there's so many different things that can happen with chiropractic, and specialties when we're in chiropractic. So when you say that, like when chiropractor aligned with your life, what exactly aligned with it? Like when you said, you said it aligned with the way you thought. So then how did you think back then? And how has your thinking changed over time? Is it still the same? Still the same. Um, taking a drug never made sense to me. You know, finding the cause of your problem made sense to me. Taking a drug if you're in extreme pain or if you're gonna die, you know, life-saving drugs, I understood that. You know, diabetes, you know, somebody who has uncontrolled diabetes taking insulin, I understood those things, you know. But for taking most of the drugs that were that were prescribed, especially back in the 80s, and I think it's still today, falling to painkillers, uh, anti-inflammatories, and, and uh, muscle relaxers, is that, um, you know, you're just covering up a symptom. You're not getting to the cause. And so when I took a look at it going, well, you know, we go to church, we study the Bible, we study what's, what's happening out there, and people say, you know, your body's made to heal. You know, it's made to be a, an expression of God's love. And how do you get there? You know, is it, you have to take more drugs and you need surgery. Sometimes those things are needed. But in general, the answer is no. You know, you need to nourish it. You need to take care of it. You know, you need to align it. You need to allow that energy to flow. You need to know what to eat. And so when you look at chiropractic and you look at its lifestyle, it made sense to me. Try to get to the cause. Try to get to the cause of what's really happening. If you have a mechanical problem, you can do all the chemical stuff in the whole wide world. And if you have a mechanical problem, and once you get that area moving and it's moving the right way, well, you also have to 
keep it lubricated. You have to drink water. You have to have the nutrition. And that was the other part that in the early days upset me was that I didn't think chiropractors spent enough time addressing people's nutritional and what was happening. You know, they were just working on their spine to get them out of pain to have that expression. But how about the rest? How about the rest of their lifestyles? You know, what kind of exercise? What kind of movement? What should I be doing? You know, I have patients who are 90 years old that, you know, are post-cancer and, you know, things going on. They're like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. What can I do? It's just like, can you breathe? Can I get you on the wall and do a little squats? Can I do you a little elongation stretch? Can you do this? So I have them do three or four things. And I said, yeah, do this three times a day for five or 10 minutes. And they go, Doc, it's amazing how much better I feel. So the congruency was that belief system that the, you know, the power that made the body heals the body, um, that you don't really want to go to drugs, that you really don't want to go to surgery, that this body can heal itself. And, you know, that's kind of where I, I took a look. I mean, I really believe that, you know, at a certain point, and a lot of chiropractors do and still do, that, you know, if there's one thing we could eliminate that would make just a profound, huge difference is no drugs. I know people would get upset, you know, oh, people would die, things like that. That's probably true. But it's so hard to know what somebody has going on with them when they're on drugs. Is it the drugs affecting them or what's their true physiology? We have no idea. So, yeah, congruency was, you know, based on the spiritualism, based on what I liked, you know. Yeah, I love to work out. I love to train. And, you know, all those things just, it made sense. It was congruent. My, my spiritual life, my physical life, my chemical life, what I put into my body. You know, when I grew up, I had acne really bad as a kid. And, you know, I had that stuff called back pain where it was on my back. And, you know, the medical doctors would just give me antibiotic after antibiotic. It would help for a week or two weeks. They'd tell me to stay out of the sun because it reacts to the antibiotics. And eventually I got to chiropractic school and I cleaned up my gut and my skin cleared up. And I was just like, wow. And basically at that point, doctors were telling me that there's no medicine, excuse me, there's no science and no research saying that your diet is related to your skin. And I was like going, but when I eat clean and I do this and I'm out in the sun, my skin doesn't break out as much. No, there's no correlation. And the guy was trying to stick corticosteroids shots into me and just put me on more antibiotics. And I had a really bad reaction. Actually, I had it going into my finals, my histology final in chiropractic school. When I took an antibiotic, my first, so the last time I've taken an antibiotic uh, up until a few years ago, I had my finger infected. Um, and I had pulmonary uh, pneumonia, I had bacterial pneumonia. But other than that, I haven't taken too many antibiotics and I had a bad reaction to it. So the drugs just never made sense to me. Last resort, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think you automatically gravitate. Like the more aligned you are, I would say even in your spinal alignment or like when you're more aligned with who you are deep on the inside, I think you naturally start to gravitate towards these things. Oh, like, doubt. If I'm stressed out, for example, yeah. I find that I gravitate more towards junk food because of the hit of like, um, I don't know, whatever chemicals get released, but it feels so good to like eat junk food when I'm stressed out because I finally get to just relax. Whereas if I'm already relaxed, I don't just eat healthy food to maintain myself. So there's a big difference when it comes to alignment. Um, that misnomer so, of comfort foods when I'm not feeling good, you know, it's just like, they're usually that good for you. Yeah, and once you change one thing in your life, it's like those wheels on the uh, spokes on the wheel. When you change this spoke over here, these other things change. So when you are aligned and your body is working the right way and you're not subluxated and you're going, okay, what should I have to eat today? You're probably going to make a better choice. 
you know, and when you're not feeling good, you're probably going to make a worse choice. So when you're stressed out and you have a headache and everywhere else, you're more likely to go for that Tylenol or that ibuprofen and take that. You're more likely to, you know, go eat, you know, garbage, greasy, you know, bad foods, junk foods, or whatever your your Skittles or your Snickers bar, whatever your your go-to sugar junk is. And that's something that's hard to teach people. It's really hard. Um, years ago, I had one ride a stressful day, went home, I was married at the time, we had kids, we were supposed to be traveling somewhere, everything was packed up and ready to go, and we had our uh, um, gal from the church over to watch our house and our dogs, and I was stressed out, and I went up into the cabinet, and I got out my shaker, and I got out my ice, and she's just looking, and she's like, oh my God, he's going to... He's going to have some whiskey or he's going to make a mixed drink. And I took out my liquid chlorophyll, which is loaded with magnesium. And I made a magnesium drink and sifted it out. And I did like four shots in front of her. And she was just kind of laughing. And so in that time, I said, hey, what does my body need? I'm highly stressed. I'm, you know, got to get to the airport. I have my kids, everything else. Had a tough day at work. It was a crazy day. And, you know, and I asked myself, what do I need? You know, what do I need in that moment? You know, um, do I need the, the, the scotch and the whiskey or do I need the chlorophyll? And I chose the chlorophyll. That's hard to overcome sometimes. Yeah. But if you stop and you ask, usually you'll make the right decision. Yeah. If you go down that civilization and there's pressure and you're feeling bad, I hear patients every day, this is the one thing that, you know, they're like going, you got upset, doc. I was like, I got upset. I had to take drugs last night, doctor. Like, I, I had to take them. I was like, did someone tie you down, force something in your mouth, and shove them down your throat? You willingly took them. Well, I had to because it hurt so bad you don't know. And I was like, oh, no, you didn't. I don't, I don't take those drugs. I don't, I'm hurting. I don't take those drugs. I do things naturally. I don't have to take those drugs. They know it's going to get me upset. They know it's going to kick up my blood pressure a few points. Because people have this, I have to. And it's just like, I don't even have those in my house or in my office or anywhere in my life. You know, which means I have to get up, go to the CVS or whatever to go get them. I'm not going to go do that. Yeah. So. <sighs> well, uh, my final question is going to be, any last words? And where can people find you? I'm in Pasadena, Pasadena Family Chiropractic. Um, Sometimes LA Fitness. Yeah, I work out at LA Fitness. <laughs> Sometimes up at my girlfriend's place too, but... Um, I'm all over the place. Easy to find. Pasadena Family Chiropractic, Dr. Mike Chiropractor. And for people, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. People think that chiropractic is this. It's only for car accidents. It's only for lower back pain. It's only for headaches and things like that. They have no idea the possibility of the nervous system, their brain, and the potential that they have to be a more incredible human being, to be healthier. Um, and less likely to have sickness and disease by going to a chiropractor on a regular basis who actually adjusts and takes care of them the proper way. All right, lovely. Well, nice having you on. Thank you.